isn't it great to have musicians who lead us, who bring us together and lead us in praising the Lord? Talented musicians, so we want to thank them for all the work they put into it. And I'd like to thank Brian as he's been filling in for me whenever I've been gone just about. He's always very willing to do it. So I appreciate that, Brian. Appreciate you sharing the word in my absence. Well, in Mother's Day here, I'd like to uh, highlight a certain person. In chapter 1 of the Gospel of Luke, we meet Zechariah. But uh, let, me, let me start here. I want to speak about a certain mother in the Bible who deserves a lot of respect or praise, even though almost nothing is said about her mothering. Because of the situation from which God called her to be a mother, the mother's role that she had to play in that situation, we might say that her mothering skills were, in a sense, overshadowed. But it also seems pretty apparent that her role of a mother had to be very crucial because of the plan of God that God had in mind for her child. And it also seems apparent, at least to me, that even though not much is said about her mothering skills, in fact, basically nothing is said about her mothering skills, she must have been a very faithful and effective mother by the way God used her child in one of the most critical roles of God's salvation plan. Now, I believe this special mother that we're going to be looking at can be a great role model for every mother. And not only for every mother, but a great role model for every woman. And not only for every mother and every woman, but she can be a great role model for every Christian, whether male or female. Because this mother's attitude is exemplary. And I'm talking about the mother we meet in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. We meet her before she is a mother. <clears throat> you know... In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, we meet Zechariah and Elizabeth. I'm going to be talking through a lot of this and then just referring to a few verses on the way. But we meet Zechariah and Elizabeth, a faithful priest of God and his faithful wife. Both of them were very, very dedicated servants of God. Servants of God and, and ones who really lived by the law of God. Respected the God, respected God highly. Now, the sad part, of course, that we all know <clears throat> was that they were never able to have children, and now they were way past childbearing age. But one time, while Zechariah was chosen by Lot to light the incense in front of the holy place, the most holy place, which was an extremely high honor, while he was in front of this most holy place, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and just scared him half to death. We all know that. But the angel told him that he had good news for him. 
He said his wife was going to bear him a son whom they were to name John, which word means God is gracious. And this son would be a joy and delight to them, and this son would cause many to rejoice in the Lord. They would rejoice at his birth, and he would become great in the sight of God. And he would bring many people back to the Lord. He would be filled with the Holy Spirit right from his birth. His mission would be to turn people's hearts back to their God. And you know, in the time of Jesus, the nation of Israel had slid so far away from God. And most of the time when we see the religious leaders, they were very corrupt. Now, so this news couldn't be any better at this time. This son would prepare the hearts of God's people for the coming of their Messiah, the one that they had been waiting for and built their hopes upon all through their history. <clears throat> now, I'd like to speak for a few minutes about this angel coming to Zechariah in the temple. Such great news, but alas... There turned out to be one little problem. Most of you know the problem. Zechariah had to kindly inform the angel that he was too old to have a baby. He and his wife are both too old. And they never were able to have babies even in their time where they could, possibly. And the angel's response to Zechariah's sad uh, sad note was, oh man, we should have thought of that up and we didn't even think about your age or your infertility problem. Now, we know the angel did not say that, did he? In fact, the angel was more like he couldn't even believe that Zechariah was saying what he said. His answer was like, are you kidding me? Are you saying that you don't think God can overcome this problem of age and infertility? Are we talking about the same God, the one who spoke the heavens and the earth into existence by the very power of his word? I'm kind of adding words to the story here. But here's what the angel told Zechariah. See, Zechariah said, how can I know this? We are too old now. My wife has never been able to have children. And the angel said, here's how you can know this. Here's your sign. From right now until the time the promise comes true, you won't be able to speak a word. And that's what happened, isn't it? So now here is Zechariah, this highly respected priest of God, and like I said, we don't meet many people in the Bible, many of the religious leaders that were highly respected back in Jesus' day. But Zechariah certainly was. So while all this is going on inside the temple where the angel and Zechariah have met near the holy place, people outside who had gathered to worship during the lighting of the incense, they were wondering, what's taking him so long to light this incense? And when he emerges, he can't say a word. I mean, the angel 
really did take away his speech. And so the people are looking at him, and he, all he can do is just motion to them and, and kind of make signs. So there we have Zechariah, as he has met the angel, and we have heard what he has said. Now we want to hear Elizabeth speak. So in verses 23 through 25 of Luke chapter 1, here's what Elizabeth says when it gets down to her finally. When his time, when Zechariah's time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. That was her response. This, oh, the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace from among the people. So that's Elizabeth's response. She becomes pregnant. She goes into seclusion. And she praises God for his mercy to her. What a difference in attitude between Zechariah and and Elizabeth. Here she is, an elderly woman who is beginning a nine-month pregnancy journey with an elderly woman's body, and she's praising God for his favor to her. Have you ever prayed for something, and then God answers your prayer, but it's in a much different way than you were thinking? You know, oftentimes when we pray for something, we kind of have it all worked out, don't we? We have all the way God's going to do this for us, whether it's, you know, in your job or in your family or whatever, in your finances, and you have it all worked out. And then sometimes God answers our prayer, and sometimes we don't even realize it's God's answer to our prayer because it's so different than the way we were thinking he would answer it. Well, here's Elizabeth. You know, she and Zechariah have been praying for years to have a child. <clears throat> Zechariah says, we can't do it, we're too old. And Elizabeth, she just praises God and says, he's come to me, he's helped me in my, my place of trouble. She's grateful to God. She sees this as God coming to rescue her by removing her disgrace of not having a child through her childbearing years. And she goes into seclusion for five months. The Bible doesn't say why. Usually when the Bible doesn't explain something, it's because whoever they were writing to at that time, they just knew the answer, so he didn't have to explain it. We don't really know. For sure, there are different reasons people give. My guess is that she's going into seclusion in order to just give thanks to God, to prepare herself mentally, physically, spiritually, you know, to have this child at an old age, a time away from people to draw close to God, to get her life really in tune for what's going to happen. That's my guess because she's so thrilled to have this child. So we see Elizabeth facing motherhood under very difficult circumstances, but with this gratitude toward God, a great attitude. And then it gets even better. In verses 39 through 45, 
This is when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. Of course, Mary is pregnant with, with the Messiah. Where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Or his, yeah, promises to her. <clears throat> so, Elizabeth has this great attitude when she's told that she's going to have a baby. And now when Mary comes to visit, look at that attitude she has toward Mary. Elizabeth's total focus was on Mary and the child in Mary's womb. And you see in that response or that greeting to Mary, her humility, her joy, her excitement, her just her thrill about the plan of God being carried out and Mary's part in it. You know, Elizabeth has served the Lord so much longer than Mary. She had experienced decades of childlessness through her years of faithfulness to God. And even at the beginning, it says how faithful she and Zechariah were to the Lord. So she's gone through decades of seemingly unanswered prayer. All of those years, she just had to keep trusting in God that he, knows, he knew what he was going to do. That he was good. That he was a loving God. And that one day he would make all things right. And she just had to keep trusting in that. And now here comes young Mary approaching her womb, the long-awaited Messiah of Israel. And Elizabeth sees her, and she's just overwhelmed with joy with, and excitement. She's so happy for Mary. She's enthralled with Mary's condition when she herself is also playing a very critical role. And it's because Elizabeth is rejoicing in the promises of God. She isn't focused on herself. Her focus isn't on which mother receives the greatest honor. She isn't asking, well, how come Mary gets to carry the Messiah? I'm so much older. I've served God so much longer. She doesn't have that victim mentality, does she? That's a mentality that is being, you know, prom promised or uh, being pushed in our society today. A victim mentality. That's a horrible mentality. Elizabeth doesn't have that. It isn't an attitude of jealousy over who receives the greatest blessing from God. She's thrilled for Mary, thankful to God for the role that God has chosen for her. And I think this is a mother that we can all learn from. Because her heart is set on God's plan. You know, God had a plan for Mary and he had a plan for Elizabeth. Elizabeth was thrilled with her plan. And it cost her a lot, you know, in her old age to go nine months of pregnancy and to bear a child. 
But she's thrilled because she's focused on the plan of God, and she knows that through her work, the Messiah would come also, and her son would be the forerunner. Her attitude is humble and joyful, even though her role is going to be very physically difficult. And then comes the birth <clears throat> of Zechariah and Elizabeth's child. Everyone that came for the circumcision, you know, family and maybe neighbors, they just totally assumed that the baby would be named Zechariah. And this would be the family's only chance of passing on the family name. This would be their only child. And that's how the family name passed on. But as they kept as they asked her what name it would be, and she said it would be John, they just kind of like didn't even believe her. They just kind of brushed her aside and went over to Zechariah and say, what are we going to name the child? And first of all, Elizabeth says, not Zechariah, John. And then we know when Zechariah agreed to that, his mouth was open and he could speak. So we have, after this, Zechariah's prophecy concerning the birth of the Messiah and the ministry of their son, how he would fit into the Messiah's plan. And so on this special day where we honor God's gift of motherhood to mankind, that's what I think of Mother's Day, the gift of God's plan of motherhood and how much it fills the world, makes the world go we want to celebrate the role of mothers as it fulfills the plan and wisdom of God. It isn't an easy role or assignment. We give thanks to God for his kindness and generosity to us in the gift of our mothers. We honor them for the way they devote their lives to our care and to their families. And so much of motherliness, so much of Mothering is thankless, not celebrated. And today we think of the great example of Elizabeth, the unselfishness, the humility, her devotion to God's plan of redemption, as she raised the one who would go out and bring people's hearts back to God. And as she faced her difficult assignment with joy and excitement, because her eyes were on God's redemption plan, not how much sacrifice it would take for her. So we praise God for his gift of motherhood. We thank him for our own mothers. We appreciate the calling that God has given mothers to love, sacrifice, and serve all to the glory of God. Now, <clears throat> I received a text this morning and it was a good idea for, for this morning's service. It says, Father, maybe you can do your sermon. After your sermon, you can ask a few people how they feel about their mothers. Anybody know who sent that text to me? <laughs> I think that's a good idea, don't you? So at this point... I'm going to invite anybody to just kind of speak out. If you want to say something about your mother, another mother you know, you know, praising God for his gift of motherhood. 
anybody would like to just go ahead and speak out. 